Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith, as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at Amazon.com. Jesus right where you are and let him lead you out. Hosea chapter 1 verse 1, the Lord gave this message to Hosea son of Barai during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah, and Jeroboam son of Jehoash was king of Israel. So here's what we need to know right now. Israel is divided into two kingdoms. There's northern Israel, it's also called Ephraim sometimes. And there's Judah. Now, Hosea is sent as a prophet to northern Israel. He's also among the prophets during that time of Amos and Isaiah. Isaiah primarily is focused on Judah. Hosea is primarily focused on Israel. But they go back and forth between the two. All the words are for both the United Kingdom of Israel and Amos as well goes between the two. But just to give us some context, last week when Pastor Chuck spoke, he spoke about Elisha. Elisha would have been um, testifying and bringing the prophetic word right around 800 BC. Jonah comes in about 780 BC, and we see Hosea come in right around 760 BC. Now all 
these prophets are bringing warnings and direction for the country, the nation of Israel, saying this is what you need to do. Judah has two kings that do what is pleasing in the Lord's sight, and they their impact is a hundred years length of reign of Judah. But Israel, their demise is so quick, they won't listen to the prophetic word that God is bringing through the prophet Hosea and Amos and Isaiah. And so Hosea literally is positioned to watch Assyria take over northern Israel. It happens as he's writing these things. The desperation of God to warn his people cannot be understated in this text. So this piece where we're sitting in chapter 1 is so important and crucial for us to understand the desperate, overwhelming love of God for us. It says, it's written in 2 Kings about the reign of this, these kings that happened, the ones that were just mentioned, that they did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And this is where Hosea is found. Now after we timestamp Hosea's life, the very next thing we see is how he, as a prophet, would be used to tell the people about God's plan of love and mercy. Pick up on verse 2. It says, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute. So here's what we need to know, because we're going to talk about this word, and this, this, uh, some versions of this says, Find a wife out of who is in whoredom. That means she's living in a land, and who reigns in that land? Sex, perversion, money, greed, all of these things. This is where God is telling Hosea to step into. And this isn't the next thing he tells him. This is the first thing he tells him. The first thing he tells Hosea is to go into a place that isn't reigning under God's kingdom and covenant with a woman from that place. Go and marry a prostitute. And it goes on to say, so that some, say some, of her children will be conceived in prostitution. Can you imagine Hosea, ready to hear and prophesy before the Lord, ready to give his life for the kingdom of Israel? And what God tells him is not like Ezekiel, I'm going to show you the heavens open. Not like Isaiah, you're going to sit in my throne room and I'm going to cover your mouth with cold. No, no. You, all the plans you have for your life, for marriage and children, I'm going to give you those, but it's not going to be the way you think it will be. You are going to lay those plans down, Hosea, and you're going to marry the one that I've chosen for you. And her kids, I'm going to tell you already, so that your heart is prepared, the kids that she will conceive for you, some of them won't be yours biologically. How's that for your life plan? You want to talk about God messing up your life plan? That is a messed up life plan. Nobody wants that inheritance from God on earth. Right? That's not what we dream of when we're little. Anybody else? No, that's not what we dream of. But God says to him, this act, this 
will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping after other gods. This will illustrate. This will be a metaphor. This will show them. Being called by God is very inconvenient. We like to think that worshiping God is easy and wonderful, and it is, but it is very inconvenient, particularly if you have your own plans for your life. If you like your life, it is very inconvenient to be on mission for God, to speak his words, to do his will, to be obedient to him. It will cost you your life and all the plans you have. And I want us to go back and just think about this for a minute. If we put this in a modern text, we often might see preachers, men of God, going into places of whoredom, places where people are doing perverse things. The difference here is that Hosea goes in to pull her out of that place to be where he lives. Not to go into a place where they live and stay. Do you see the difference? We all know this is right. But we aren't meant to stay in the places God has called us to go. Because if we do, we start looking like the people who live there. And we aren't to look like the people who live in those places. We are to dress like them, to act like them, to talk like them, to walk like them, to move like them, to frown like them, to be oppressed like them. We are to walk into those places with the strength of God and the mission he's given us and the truth that he's given us and to bring whoever wants to go out to the place where we live. But it takes, experts have told us, we've sat in these trainings as we go into these club outreaches, it takes a woman in that lifestyle seven or eight times to fully get out of it. Seven or eight times. You can imagine Hosea sitting here watching his wife go back and forth between these two lives. Back and forth. And this is what God wants. Israel to see because the picture of Israel watching Hosea and watching this whole thing happen his whole reputation is on the line and over and over and over they're watching her go back out oh she's pregnant again wonder who that is oh she was out there last night so and so sorry oh there she goes again what is Hosea doing he is not looking like everybody else He's standing in a place of covenant with this woman. And as far as he's concerned, he'll remain faithful to her. Her choice is hers. So if we are Hosea, prophets and purveyors of God's truth, and if we are believers, right, then we have this prophetic grace. Yeah, I have a prophetic grace. <laughs> you have a prophetic grace. You 
but you have a prophetic grace. You're called to speak God's word. You're called to bring life and light with the words that you have. Are we willing to sacrifice our reputation and what people may say about us to share his message? My question is, are we ashamed of the gospel? I want you to really think about this. Because even I, as I think about this, I'm like, God, I'm not ashamed of your gospel. I'm not ashamed of your gospel. I'm not ashamed. And then I think about places that I've sat. And my kids, in their joy and exuberance, are speaking about things that they've heard here and in our home about the Lord. And the environment maybe isn't conducive for all of their preaching. And so what do I do? Not now. This is not the there's a part of me that fears what somebody might say to me or my kids because of the innocence of the life and light in them. Yeah, mercy. Mercy, Lord. He's so merciful. Is there any place where you're ashamed, where you're shishing the gospel in you or in your family or in your kids or in your missional community? Oh, that's too deep. Oh, we can't go there. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. The good news of Christ in us is the power of God at work. And he goes on to say that it saves everyone who believes. The power of the gospel is the thing that saves people. And guess where it comes through? right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And this is how Hosea lived. This is how he lived. Faithfully and unashamed of the gospel. Not even the gospel that we had. He had a glimpse of the gospel. He prophesied about what would come. He didn't even have the full understanding of what we know, even in part what we know about God and his redemptive plan through Jesus. And yet he lived from that place, from that power. If we are willing to share his message, then we aren't ashamed of it. That's how we tell. But if not, if we go in with fear, and we won't even try, then the gospel power, the gospel saving power in us has already lost its power. We aren't meant to be hearers of the word only, but doers. And so if we cut off at hearers, then our faith cannot be activated and move us out to the other place. If you don't find yourself today sitting in Gomer's place, you're lost, you're broken, you sing the song of the overwhelming love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. If you're not in the, that place right now, but you're thinking about what he's already done, then 
I'm going to challenge you that you are in Hosea's place. You are thinking of these verses as a place to activate you to pray and preach to someone else about what God has done in your life. See, I take that verse, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, precious love of God, it chases you down. It fights till you're found. It leaves the 99 like it left the 99 to come and find me. And now I stand as a witness that if he did it for me, he will do it for you. That's good. That's good. And so, people of God, I know many of you in here, you are Hosea's. You are Hosea's. And the first place the Lord has called you, the first thing he's told you to do is to go into those places and find the person that is most desperate in that moment and bring them out yeah. with you. That's good. Go find them. We will either live fake or we will live faith. Yeah. We will either live fake or we will live faith. And I say that with great conviction because I lived decades of my life faith. I lived in a place of perfectionism. And now I like to think of perfectionism as having this beautiful package all wrapped up. But in the in inside, when you open it, it's a load of... <laughs> it's like trying to shine a turd. <laughs> And the person that knew that was Jesus. And he came into that garbage and he said, I'll make something beautiful grow here if you let me. I'm going to take my soil in there. I'm going to mix it up for you. I'm going to plant my seeds in your heart. I'm going to water it. I found myself like Gomer. Now, I didn't sell my body in that way with poor money, but I was an adulterer. I broke my marriage vows. And at 28, I was divorced. I was pregnant with the person with whom I'd been having an affair. Shining the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did. We don't know what we're doing until later. We're like, wow, that was, that was bad. But I sold myself out for belonging and acceptance, pride, pleasure, my own life, my own desires, my own demands. I sold it all away, my very soul, for what I thought I could gain, which was nothing. I told you what was in that box. It was nothing. Until in that moment, in my darkest place, the darkest place I could have ever imagined myself to be, that's where Jesus came in. Yeah. Alongside my dad and my mom. Yeah. Said, You're not, you don't belong here. Do you know that you don't belong here? You do not belong here. Come out with us. It's way better out. 
And I did. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So Hosea goes into that place that God told him to go, just like my parents did. He married Gomer, verse 3 says, the daughter of Zidwin, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the child Jezreel, for I am about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. So why is this so important? Jezreel was the is still a very lush and rich valley. There's so much beauty and commerce and established communities that are there to this day. This is the first site where Saul, um, he ends up dying on by his own sword. <laughs> this is also where Ahab and Jezebel are killed in the Jezreel Valley. But then at this time, King Joram, who's anointed, comes in and he goes and kills Jehu. Ahab's son, who had taken on the, um, the next kingship because he was Ahab's son. So King Joram goes in and he's like, not on my watch. God has just anointed me as king. Y'all better watch out. And he comes back into this valley. But in his zeal, he not only kills the king of Israel, which was King Joram, or King Jehu, but he also kills the king of Judah. And then he kills all 70 of Ahab's sons, and he takes down the, the um, idol of Baal, but he leaves all the other gods. Missed it a little. That's okay, we missed it a little. God's like, I'm sorry you guys missed it a little, so I'm going to send my son. Okay, we'll fix that. But you come with a transformed heart. So he misses it. And he says, I'm going to avenge this thing that happens. I'm going to come in with my forgiveness and my love. And it's going to be bad for a minute. But I have a plan. It's going to look really bad. But I have a plan. So God has plans. Thank you, two of you. <laughs> you believe. All right. Verse 6. Soon Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Loruhama, not loved. Yeah, that's a tough one. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them, but I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses or chariots, but by my power as the Lord their God. Can you read? Can you can you think of this again? Can you read this with me again? I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons or armies or horses or chariots, but by my power as the Lord their God. We just learned that the power of God is the gospel of Christ. That's His power. So God is brokenhearted. Brokenhearted is the best word, grieved, over what's happening with Israel. So after Goma, 
after Gomer, man, I'm gonna get her name right, you guys. After Gomer had leaned to Lower Rahama, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, Name him Loami, not my people. For Israel is not my people, and I'm not their God. What is he saying? He's saying they don't know that they're loved. They don't know that they're my people. They believe they are not loved. They believe they are not my people. Because if they knew that they were loved, if they knew that they were my people, then they would act like it. I would actually see that. Yeah. He's calling it what it is. Jesus has a really good record of calling it for what it is. You know that you're not loved. But somebody say yet. Yes. Yet. We get this all contextualized in one chapter in the first part of Hosea because God wants to lay out his whole plan. He's like, this is what I could do. This is what you have done. But this is what I choose. Because my covenant is not based on you. It's based on me. And guess who's always faithful? Him. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's yeah. always faithful. He's like, let me give you a whole picture of this. So if you don't read till the end, what does God look like? you got to read to the end that he already has a plan. But in his love for us, he gives us the whole picture so that we understand his grace and mercy that never ends. Just like this chapter. Doesn't end yet. Yet, the number of children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or number. What does that mean? He's going to bless them. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. Children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel, so he's not counting anybody out here, shall be gathered together and they shall appoint for themselves one head, which is Jesus. They shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So now we have Hosea, obedient and married to an unfaithful wife with three kids. And who knows how many are from him. And she doesn't give up on her life of prostitution. So there's this piece of this transition that we have. That the way you live your life reveals what you desire. Because she keeps going back out, going back out, going back out. The way you live your life reveals what you desire. She desired what was out there more than she desired what was inside the home. Hosea is no fool. He recognized what his wife desires, so he talks about it openly. Remember, we're going to live fake or we're going to live faith. So Hosea in chapter 2 starts talking about what his wife is desiring and what he's recognizing in her. So let's see where that is. Hosea 2, verse 2. Let her remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing, clothing that exposes her breast. Chapter 2 
He's coming to a place where he is frustrated, grieved. We get to this next piece of Hosea's story, and while we saw the whole context of what would be um, opened up, what Hosea would see in his lifetime, chapter 2, it comes very personally to Hosea. And this is his love letter to his wife, his desire for her. He loves her. And the way that he lives his life reveals what he's, he desires. So he, his whole book really is, a, is poetic. It's poetry. And as he's sitting there talking about her, he's like, I wish you would live. And your life right now is revealing what you're desiring. You have stepped out of that life, but you, know, you don't look like you live a different life. So I know that your heart is still over here. And I love you, and I want you to come back to me. And in this text, he talks about how he gave her these gifts. He sent her gifts to try and woo her back. He says, I sent you wine, and I sent you grain, and I sent you oil, and I sent you these important, precious gifts. And you used them to continue the life that you had. Does that look like any of us? <laughs> Conversations with my kids. Not about this particularly, but I don't know if you know some of the way the kids dress these days. In my day, it was called grunge. Now, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know the word or if they're going to label it. So I invite my kids because there's no condemnation, there's only invitation. So I invite my kids to look less homeless. Sometimes. <laughs> when we go out, <laughs> you have a home and clothes that I bought you with money that we earned, and I would like you to wear the clothes that make you look like you have a home. <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit what Jose is doing. You have a home, a person that loves you, that you belong to, that you're accepted by, that you're cherished that gives you gifts, would you mind, please, coming back to the place so that others can see 
are loved and cherished, and they won't keep tempting you with this other life. They'll know that you belong to somebody else. He's calling for her to be transformed on the outside because she believes what's happened on the inside. So let's go. <laughs> so, you're doing better. Israelites, what is our life reflecting? The way we live our lives is the reflection of our relationship with God. And it starts on the inside. See, in adulture, when I was in that life, the, the beliefs start on the inside. It does. It's in your soul, it's in your mind, and then it becomes an act of your will because you've told yourself a lie so often. First, it's I'm not loved. I'm not loved here. They don't understand me. They don't love me. You feed that lie, it will grow. Whatever you feed will grow. So choose what you're feeding. Choose well what you're feeding. So it starts with these lies, telling to yourself, and then eventually you begin to say something else is better than my husband. Something else, fill in the blank, is better than my spouse. And who God gave me, who I covenanted with, they, something else has taken that position. And that's what happens in our own hearts with the Lord. What do we put in that blank that says something is better than Jesus? This is idolatry and adultery. And that mirroring is what God's trying to show Israel and still trying to show us what in our lives is better than Jesus. Because whatever is better than Jesus will obstruct our worship. Whatever is better than Jesus will obstruct our worship. What are you worshiping? What have you found that's better than Jesus? And you're craving it. This is a good indicator. I crave this thing. I crave it. What do you crave? Church. What do we crave? Second King says, and this happened so, I mean, the enemy is so sneaky. Do you remember when TVs first came out and they were about this big? And they sat on the ground, and they were in a box, and everybody kind of looked down, and the picture was bad. So you didn't really want to watch it for too long, or you have to get really, really close. Now what do we have? Jumbotrons! <laughs> way up in the air! <laughs> get whatever we want on there. See whatever we want. And it's so quick that we don't even change the channel if it's something that goes against who God says we are. Because they, it's subtle and fast. Uh, now it's not even worth it. Change the channel. Just for here until it's over, I guess. It used to be down here, and now we've raised it up here, and now we've gotten it here. Mm -hmm. That's good. Slow and steady, the enemy is coming after his people. Mm -hmm. And things that we don't see as gods or idols 
But when something moves from here to here to here, I'll let you read me out the rest. 2 Kings 17.5 says the Israelites rejected God's decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors, and they despised all his warnings. They worshipped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. They followed the examples of the nations around them, disobeying the Lord's command, not to imitate them. Beloved, we are not made to blend in. And the enemy wants us to so desire to be loved and accepted and to belong that we will blend in. We want to mix in like everybody else. You are not designed to blend in. Good. That's not how you were created. You don't walk into a room that's under oppression and become oppressed. You stand as one who is confident and holy and free, and you bring freedom to the people in that room. That's good. Yeah. Or you shake the dust off your feet if they don't want to receive your message. Those aren't your people, and they're not God's either. Because they've rejected you. And if they've rejected a prophet who comes in the name of the Lord with love and a message of hope and of the gospel, then they've rejected him. But we get fed this lie. And look, I have two problems. I'm going to tell you what they are. Them. <laughs> <laughs> One is, I like to be liked. I like to be liked. It's important to me. It becomes important to me when I feel like I'm not liked. Anybody else? Yeah. So when I walk into a room and I don't feel like I'm liked, then all I'm trying to do is get myself to a point where you like me. And then I'll tell you my message.
All right. So the problem with Hosea is she doesn't know how to do, or with Gomer, she doesn't know how to do anything else. Hosea is equipping her and the Israelites to take out the things that reflect and reveal what their desires are so that they would desire the things of God. So being faithful starts by being real and honest. And equipping people to live a different life. I love how Created does this. One of our partners that we've trained with to go out into the clubs, they equip the women to come out of the life that they've been living. And I've told you that it takes them seven or eight times to actually stay out of that life and to do something else. So Created comes along the, alongside these women just wherever they are. If it's the first time they're out or it's the eighth time they're out and they're really making a change in their life for good. They have this boutique where they can buy clothes because many of them don't know how to dress other than the way that they dress for the lifestyle that they used to live. They meet a very tangible need. They go through and they teach them how to do their makeup so that this would reveal who they are now. These would be married to each other. Trying to live our lives like the world around us, we have become them. But again, it's not our place to blend in. So it's time for us to remove the makeup. He said, whatever you can't say no to obstructs your worship. So I'm going to ask you a few things as we get tangible. See, and get real. Start taking this makeup off. And the things that are exposing us and keeping the enemy out of the field. Is it myself? <clears throat> Self-thought. All the time. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. Me, me, me. Me. <laughs> to finish that. <laughs> Is it my kids? And their needs, 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 needs. All the time. That are all equally urgent. Let me break that for you and tell you, all their needs are not equally urgent. They aren't. Just because they say they are, they're not. Your boss, your paycheck, your entertainment, your food, your substance, your achievement, your schedule, your sleep. And I had to write this in. I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes I wake up and I think about coffee before I think about Jesus. <laughs> and for me, where I am, walking at Hosea, I don't want anything in between or obstructing my worship under God, unto God. And if I'm honest, and I'm not coming up here and telling you how great and perfect my life is, but saying, no, no, I wake up and my first thought is coffee. This is obstructing the first thing that I desire to do, which is to worship God. I don't need coffee to worship God, but my brain and my body, because I've been worshiping it, has said, you need coffee before you worship God. This is where I am. I wrote that one for myself. <laughs> Still working it out. Hope you like it. 
brain lights in here. Oh, and because of that, so is Christ. Cakes of raisins represented luxury. They love luxury and a comfortable life. And this has been their demise. That we have craved comfort. We have craved safety. We have craved our wealth and ourselves. And this was the symbol of that for Israel. But it says, go again, go again, go again. And so for you, Hosea's, you're tired. You're tired going after them, the people that have hurt you and betrayed you and ridiculed you and don't understand you and don't see you. Go again. By the power of God, go again. Because I will tell you, somebody came again to me as an adulteress. The Lord spoke to my mom and dad, go again. Tell her who she is again. Go again. Let the restorative love of God empower you to go again. It is inconvenient to go again into those dark places. But it is worth it. It is cost prohibitive if you value your life and what people say about you and what they think of you more than you value the gospel. Then this work is cost prohibitive to you. Do you understand that? It doesn't make sense. Because it costs you everything. But if you value what is gained because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then this doesn't matter. This is more important. So he says, I bought her back for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. This was wine and barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you for the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household goods. Afterwards, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. He comes, Jesus comes from that line of David and they shall come in fear to the Lord the goodness in the latter days. <clears throat> See God's covenant and agreement. Here is, he is our master, but more than that, he wants us to understand that we are married to him. And when we're married to somebody, and we've covenanted with them, then his resources become mine. And that's what Hosea used to go find Gomer, because he was married to her. And in this system now, the faithfulness of God supersedes all of our unfaithfulness. The thing is, that happens in the story, is it's left right there. He goes and buys her back. He goes and buys her back. He does the thing. 
does she do? And it's left like that on purpose. What does she do? Does she go with him? Does she stay in her infidelity? Does she go and leave again? What does she do? And that's the question for us. What will we do if we're sitting in a place like Gomer? Far away and in darkness. Forgotten. We've forgotten who we are. So I want to just take a minute here. We're going to take some communion as I share this with you. So if we want to start passing out those elements, our deacons will come and distribute them. As you listen here. It talks about in those verses part of Hosea that he bought her back because there was 15 shekels of silver and this wine and this barley. And I want you to know that the entirety of what he purchased her for was about 30 shekels of silver. 30 shekels of silver in Leviticus was what a slave was worth. Why is this important? you got to keep reading. We see the 30 shekels of silver in Leviticus so that we see in Hosea this 30 shekels of silver. But then what did Judas pay for Jesus? He was paid 30 shekels of silver. He was paid to betray Jesus. That's what his life became worth to Judas and to the Roman officer or to the uh, Pharisees. That's what his life was worth. He stood in that place of Hosea. But not only that, I think it's important that we recognize that these were broken up things. That the 15 shekels, there was some value there, but there was also this wine and this grain. He would pay for us, not just with money, not just with what we value, sometimes more than anything else, but he paid with his own life, represented by the bread and the wine. That's how he paid for Gomer. That was on purpose. But barley, not wheat, is what he used to pay for her. Barley, not wheat. Barley was a peasant's food, a peasant's grain, cheaper. See, Jesus died for us. Not in pageantry, but in peasantry. He died for us not in pageantry, but in peasantry. He became the poorest among us to receive.
Hosea for us. I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like the lily. It will send roots deep into the soil like the cedars in Lebanon. Its branches will spread out like beautiful olive trees, as fragrant as the cedars of Lebanon. My people will again live under my shade, and they will flourish like grain and blossom like grapevines. They will be as fragrant as the wines of Lebanon. Elijah, and yes, was put on Elijah. But the access we have. 
all of God's authority and power now comes because of Jesus. Yeah, it's good. It's good. What are we doing? <laughs> right? Who wants that power? Who desires that power? Who wants to see people raised from the dead? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Come on. This is a symbol of your activation of saying, I'm going to stand in a place like Hosea, and I'm going to go into dark places, and I'm going to bring God's people out in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Whoever will come, here I am. Yes, Lord. Send me. Yes. Take and eat. Thank you. 